Hello once again and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. My name is Adam Homie. I'm your host and I am honored by your wise decision to invest in yourself by joining us today. As the name says, our listeners are business creators and you are in the right place if you are one or more of the following. You're an entrepreneur, small business owner, or local business owner. You're a marketing and business coach. You're someone who helps others build their business and win at the game of business and marketing. And on the other side of that coin, you're a do-it-yourselfer who likes to have your own hands on the levers as you market and grow your business. And that's many of our listeners. So if you are one or more of the above, please take a moment, explore our episodes, and discover how our experts can help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Now today... We are going to have a very interesting conversation. This is something that I've heard about and I've had some experiences with in terms of my years in entrepreneurship. And what we're going to talk about is the ADD entrepreneur. And we're going to hear the story of how an entrepreneur embraced and harnessed his ADD to build a $20 million business. And to share that with us today, we have none other than Matt Curry. So I'm going to tell you just a little bit about him real quick. Matt Curry is a serial entrepreneur and Wall Street Journal bestselling author of a book called The ADD Entrepreneur. He built Curry's Auto Service into a 10-location chain, servicing almost 5,000 cars a month with almost $20 million in sales. Pretty impressive. CAS was voted uh, that would be Curry Auto, that would be, uh, Curry Auto Service was voted into the top shop in North America, which is voted by Motor Age magazine, as well as earning Inc. 5000 status for fastest growing companies three consecutive years in a row. Matt and Judy Curry have won numerous other growth, community, and philanthropy awards, and Matt is the founder of The Hybrid Shop, which is a company dedicated to training the automotive aftermarket and hybrid and electric vehicle technology. Matt, I could not be more happy to have you on the show. Welcome aboard. Well, thanks a lot, Adam. That's uh, an amazing introduction, too. Wow, thanks very much. Yeah, I think uh, I think a pretty smart guy wrote it. So uh, what I'd like to do here <laughs> is, uh, you know, we just read off your very impressive official bio here. But what we like to do here at Business Creators Radio Show is before we jump in, we like to take a step back and give those of our listeners who may not have heard of you yet a chance to get to know you a little bit. So we you know, have kind of the official background here, but just tell us a little bit about what it is specifically that brought you to where you are today. We were talking a little bit about this in the green room. So if you could share some without our listeners, that'd be great. Sure. Um, well, first of all, I come from the youngest of, a, of, a, of seven kids, so a very close, uh, large family, and we were taught work ethic um, from a very early age. We didn't get a, we didn't get allowance or anything like that. I had to shovel um, driveways and deliver newspapers or whatever to, to earn a buck. And I started changing tires and cleaning bathrooms when I was 15 for, uh, for Goodyear. And um, now I worked my way uh, into uh, an apprentice technician in the management. By the time I was 19, I was running, I was managing, managing a store. Um, in the auto- so I've been in the automotive aftermarket business for over 30 years. I ran seven different locations for three different companies, tripled and quadrupled sales everywhere I went. And I figured if I could do it for, for you know, all these other companies, I could do it for myself. So um, on a kind of a wing and a prayer, I started my first auto repair shop. Uh, in the back of a shitty industrial park, way back from any any main road, no visibility, on $103,000 on 13 credit cards. 
Right. Um, every time, yeah, every time a, an offer came in the mail, I would, I'd fill it out. And the last one was from USAA for 500 bucks. I said to my wife, I said, if we have to, if we have to use this, we're screwed. Um, and we never did. So, um, you know, we, in the first nine months in business, we did $800,000 in sales. The first full year, we did $1.6 million in sales and, and never looked back. Continued to open location, each, uh, a location about every year and a half. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. And uh, it was a fun ride. I, I sold about two years ago to a publicly traded billion-dollar-plus corporation. And uh, moving on to my next uh, my next big adventure. That's pretty exciting. And as we go through what we're going to share today, we're going to talk about this whole thing about moving from one venture to the next. I know we're going to talk a little bit about Richard Branson and a couple other things. Uh, before we get into all that, though, I have one more question that I ask. And all of the listeners of the Business Creators Radio Show, those who tune in faithfully every single week where we help you win at the game of business and marketing, know what's about to come next. And you can hear the drum rolls in a distance, so I'm going to do it out uh -huh. here. And here it is. Here in the Business Creators Radio Show, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. A lot of our listeners tell me they have everything they need to implement anything that anybody's going to share with them except for time and money. Now, we ask this question of everybody who appears on Business Creators Radio Show. And what I like about it is not only the variety of different answers, but also the variety of ways the question is interpreted. So how do time and money impact what you're going to share with us today? Well, I think money buys you time. And in order to get more time, you have to replicate yourself, okay? Yeah. In order to replicate yourself, you need to make your business scalable, repeatable. And you do that by having uh, uh, very rigorous policies and procedures and, and a, uh, an awesome vision that people can get behind with a clear and concise message so that everybody knows, you know, what you're striving for, what you're, where you're heading. You have a game plan to get there. So I think, you know, money is great, right? Money buys time, I think, and time buys freedom. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the best way that you can get more time is by replicating yourself. That's why when we had one location, I wanted two, and we had two, I wanted four. You know, and we had 10 locations, 152 employees, and we could generate, like like you said, $20 million of sales that way. There's no way I could do that out of one location. But the way we did that is we had really rigorous policies and procedures um, that in every, everything from when we checked the customer in to how we inspected the car to how we test drove the car, everything. So, right. Yeah. I mean, money is great, but really, I think entrepreneurism and being successful is really the freedom and the time is more important. Yep. As I said, everybody interprets the question differently and everybody answers it differently. So go back and listen to the archives of Business Creators Radio Show, and you're going to get dozens of different perspectives on time and money. So, Matt, uh, you know, just to share a little bit of a personal story, I had a client for many years, five or six years. Uh, he, he was a great guy and uh, very brilliant, uh, very great entrepreneur, um, had several different ventures going on and managed to find success in just about all of them. Now, on the one hand, he could sometimes be a little frustrating to deal with because it seemed like sometimes he was asking the same question 20 times in a row. Um, he wouldn't show up where he was needed all the time. And uh, sometimes, uh, you know, we ran into situations where things got hung up with him because we needed information from him to finish the launch or finish the writing or what have you. And uh, the only thing he was able to say was, well, was it done yet? And I discovered that not only him, but other clients I was working with, 
have a little bit of the ADD going on. In fact, in his case, um, I, you know, I called him on his behaviors one day, and he said, he said, Adam, do you know what ADD is? And I said, uh, I know what it is, and I think you're about to tell me that you have it. And this is probably going to be one of the most profound, life-changing phone calls that I've ever had. And then he told me about how ADD affects him and how it drives him and how it creates both challenges and opportunities. And I got to say, I developed a respect for him that day that I don't think I really felt uh, for many of my other clients, at least in that area. And I learned to recognize that while his approach is sometimes different from what others have, that you know his brilliance when it comes to marketing and when it comes to entrepreneurship and when it comes to moving things forward is something I think we can all learn from. So, Matt, what I'd like to hear from you is how have some of your ADD tendencies really helped you professionally? <laughs> well, Adam, I thought you were describing me there for a minute. Um, so I think, you know, ADD definitely gives you, a, you know, a ton of challenges, but it also gives you, a, you know, a ton of opportunity to work with. So I was I was actually diagnosed with ADD back in like 77 or 78 when right. I was 11, 11 years old. And I was taken to Children's Hospital in Boston, went through two days of rigorous testing, and they put me on Ritalin for a year, and I got better grades. I got, almost got straight A's that year, and it was great. Okay, but I'm really glad my parents and the doctors took me off ADD after seventh grade because I wouldn't have been able to realize all the superpowers that ADD gives you. I mean, when I was when I was diagnosed, I was told by the doctors I was going to have to work twice as hard as everybody else um, to achieve any level of success in life or in business. Right? Well, my right. my hyperactivity gives me like unlimited energy. Right? Um, my distractibility makes me curious. I like to love to solve problems. I love numbers, but I also get bored with things. I mean, if I don't enjoy doing something, fuck it, I don't want to do it. I mean, right. is it okay to say your show? Um, you know, so, but, so you want, to, you want to surround yourself with people who are good at what you're not good at. Okay, so, for instance, I love numbers. I like going through balance sheets and financials, but I only like to pull out the high, the, the, uh, the key indicators, right? So, I know, if I know my, my KPIs, I can go through all 10 of my stores, for instance, and find out exactly where the problems lie. Right? And then I'm like, yeah, is it done yet? I mean, you, you know, the cool thing about having ADD is you have a huge sense of urgency, right? Yes. So, right. But like, when we were opening a new store up, I would show up at the store and say, I want this, 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 and this. And I'd say, okay, and they get it done. I'm not going to actually do it. I mean, a lot of times I did it myself, you know, sometimes in the beginning especially. But when after my second, third, fourth store, we had it down, and that wasn't my best and highest use. So I'd get things started and turn it off to somebody else and let them run with it. Because they were, you know, I had a guy, my operations guy, Vernon, he was amazing at it. He loved the details. He, he you know, I'd go in every couple of days and, you know, we'd be a lot further along. And I would just be like, hey, are we done yet? You know, when are we open? When are we open? You know, right. That's all I do. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, at the same time, like, and I have to do it because it's part of business, reading a 50-page or 60-page uh, lawyered up contract is definitely not my best and highest use. Right. There are times when I've had to do that, but I like in that case I like to have somebody like an attorney. Let's go through it and, and tell me the highlights. You know, tell me the shit I need to know. Don't tell me the stuff I don't. You know, I don't care about. You know what I mean? 
Exactly. Exactly. And you know, uh, some of what you're saying there, uh, I found pretty interesting myself. I mean, I've not been diagnosed with ADD, and I really don't have a, a strong belief that I have it. But I think that myself, like a lot of people, have certain characteristics of the ADD personality, and I think it's very common, especially with entrepreneurs. Because what jumped into my mind is one of the questions that I really hate when people ask me is, "When can we talk?" Now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not good at that kind of follow-up. I mean, if you send me an email like that, it might take me three days to get back to it. Uh, sometimes I only really go through my email once every couple of days because that's just when I'm focused on it. And if you ask me a question like that, you may be sitting there for three days wondering if I fell off the face of the earth. So what I've done is that's led me to an understanding of how we can have technology help us function more effectively. So people in the general public know, and my paying clients know, that if you want to speak with me, uh, there's two things you can do. If you're one of my top clients, you have the secret phone number that I actually answer. So if it's an actual emergency, call me. Uh, otherwise, for everybody else, um, if you know, or, and even for them as well, if you have a need and you want to speak with me and you want to know, you want to set up a time to do it, um, I have a scheduling link that's publicly available. You go in there, you pick your time, and you put your contact information, and then you, you know, select whether you want a phone call or a Skype call, and then you... Just and there's a field that where you can just type what you want to talk about, and you don't have to ask me, well, Adam, when can we talk? You go and you, you find out, and then you just put yourself in there, and you don't need to check with me first. You just go do it, and then I'll show up. Uh, every morning, I print out my schedule, and I know that I have this call, this call, and this call. I know this is my block time. I know I'm doing a training here. I know I'm doing a podcast episode there, and because I don't have the level of focus and the level of detail that optimizes me keeping up with those types of follow-up routines, I figured out how to make technology work for me. Yep. That's good. I tell you, I um, I need to get some of that technology, to be quite honest, okay? I'm kind of a techno geek, I mean, I can do email and all that right. stuff, but again, that goes to my lack of patience, right? Um, which is a definite characteristic of ADD for sure. Um, but I also used to have like a personal assistant or three and you know, I didn't have to worry about that stuff. But since I sold my company two years ago, that's an area, for instance, that I'm struggling in, you know. Right. Um, because I had people taking care of my schedules and all that, and I don't have those people anymore. So, um, but, but, you know, I was talking about this for my blog, in fact. Um, and I do. I, I, I talk to this uh, writer I have, and we go through what I want to talk about. And then, you know, she, she does her thing and sends it to me, and I make all my changes. Anyway, I was talking about... This is getting a little political about uh, free college. You know, Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders want to spend three hundred and fifty to five hundred billion dollars to pay for college for everybody. Right, I'm I like, see that in the news. Yeah. Right. Go ahead, sir. Now I was saying yes. I've been seeing a lot of that in the news lately. But I'm like, well, why don't we spend a billion dollars and create an online platform where anybody, not just in the United States but in the world, can get their college degree? Right. right. As long as they have internet access. And there's a, rather than think about old school solutions, which is what that is, you know, where somebody, everybody has to attend a four-year college, blah, blah, blah. Let's use technology, all the amazing technology that we've developed over the last even just 20 years or 10 years. My, my daughter's a musician, a professional musician. She goes to high school online, and she travels all over the place, New York, Boston, um, all over the place doing gigs and, and doing her music. And, uh, you know, everything can be done online. So I, I totally agree with you in terms of, scheduling and 
you know, time, we talked about time and money, and time, you just can't get it back, right? That's right. And money, you can, you can always make money back. Yes, right? you can. So I think, you know, managing your time effectively is hugely important, and I think any time you can use technology to your advantage, you should. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, now, Matt, you shared with me something that you like to call the two-minute meetings concept. Can you tell me what that is and what the value of it is? Absolutely. This is one of the most powerful tools you can use in any business. I mean, if you have five employees, ten employees, or you know, a thousand employees, and it may be depart departmentalized, um, you know, um, by you know, by marketing department or whatever. But what we did at the repair shops. Is and even in my my staff and the office staff, um, is usually in the repair shops. There's a low in the day, somewhere between nine and ten o'clock. And you want to get everybody together, everybody in the shop. And basically, what you're doing is you're just reinforcing your message. You can't expect to say things one time and expect to stick. You got to enforce, reinforce. Right. So every every day, sometimes twice a day, we'd have we'd have make our managers have two minute meetings, and this is something that I always did get everybody together, and you say, hey, guys, we're really busy today. Make sure you use seat covers and formats in every car. Make sure you test drive vehicles before and after. Uh, make sure you do high, you know, the highest quality work, inspect every car, um, really give the customers a, a proper estimate. You know, And then the next day, maybe it's, hey, we're not very busy, so make sure you test drive every car, do your highest quality work, use seat covers and formats. and you know, So you're really just enforcing really what your vision and your message is for your company, and you've right. got to live that every day. Yeah, I think that's, I think that, that's, that's great. That is. I, I think that's great. I didn't know. I mean, you told me a little bit in, in the green room about that, but when we were first talking about having you on Business Creators Radio Show, I was very curious about that idea of the two-minute meeting. I mean, there's a couple of different ways you can go with that, but what I'm pulling out of it is it's a it's a two-minute opportunity to reinforce some of the core values, the the core goals, and to make sure that everybody in the organization is lined doing the right things for the right reasons. Like in the case of your auto shops, you know, doing things like, you know, making sure we do the test drives, making sure the floor mats are in there. I mean, these are important things because, you know, when I take a, a car in for service, and I'm about to take my car in for service, actually, uh, uh, I love when I find a little paper floor mat there. Because it just shows that somebody took the extra 10 seconds. Yeah, it shows people that you care, right? That's yeah. really what it's all about. So it's really important to have two-minute meetings also. Like when new technologies or new new policies and procedures are being implemented, I can give you a killer example of that, okay? We yes. opened our doors in March 16th of 1998, we had, and we had a website in 1998. But email wasn't really prevalent, and uh, you know not a lot of people use it. But starting about 19... About 2000, 2001, we started really, you know, try, we always get names, addresses, and phone numbers from everybody. Yeah. We really started emphasizing collecting emails. And first of all, my staff thought I was crazy. Nobody wants to get those emails. Nobody wants to get those emails. So it took me literally probably two, maybe three years almost to get everybody, number one, just comfortable asking, but number two, to get everybody on board and making sure they did it every time because it, wasn't, right. it, it was an additional part of our procedures now. And uh, that paid off. We had over 100,000 emails. We had over 28,000 people opt in to our monthly uh, electronic newsletter. Um, it kept us uh, top of mind. We reduced our advertising costs. Uh, and every time we wanted to send a message out to our customers, we could control the message. We could control the communication. So super important to have those two-minute meetings. You can't say something once and expect it to stick because people don't like change, right? You've got to enforce, reinforce, enforce, reinforce. And right. two-minute meetings is a great way to do that. 
Oh, I, I, I love that. So when you're trying to bring about a change, you're trying to bring about a shift in the culture or a shift in the way we do things, the two-minute meetings are just a very nice way to keep reinforcing that without it being harping. So your, your team gets used to the idea that, hey, every morning we have a two-minute huddle or a two-minute meeting, what have you. And during those two minutes, you're going to be repeating the core messages again and again and again. So you get to say those messages every single day so it sinks in and it becomes a positive part of what people do, which to me is a much more effective way of making change in the organization versus micromanaging and hovering over people's shoulders and saying, ah, gotcha, the second somebody deviates. Well, absolutely. And, you know, the reason why you keep it at two minutes is because you want people working. You don't want people in freaking meetings all day, right? Hallelujah. You want people producing, you know, doing shit. You know, it's like, eesh. So the other good thing about a two-minute meeting is, it, you know, you get a chance to get with your 10 or 12 or 15 people, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, you don't want to have 100 people. You know, this is like a smaller group type of thing, right. you know, whoever the manager is of that group. Um, and, you know, that group gets to, to say any concerns they might have. Like, hey, does anybody have anything? You know, let's get some input from your from your team as well. Right. right? So, hey, maybe maybe somebody has a great idea. Maybe somebody has a million-dollar idea. Let's, you know, let's hear it. So it, it really it opens up lines of communications as well. Right. And the other thing that just jumps out at me, I love when when our guests come to us with such brilliant ideas and everybody listening, make sure you're getting this two minute meeting concept. This is huge is if somebody has something burning on their mind, like maybe they see that, you know, making sure the floor mats are in or something is really just inefficient and a bother. It allows them to raise maybe a better way of doing it. Um, I used to work in fast food and uh, and, you know, we had uh, procedures for how we cleaned the line and prepared the store to close after the dinner rush. And I realized pretty quickly on that we actually achieved huge efficiency increases simply by taking out the garbage last instead of first. Because what I discovered, because what I discovered mm-hmm. is that almost 20% of the garbage it was created for the entire day in that shop or in that restaurant was created between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. after all the cleanup and tear down from dinner and all the work rebuilding all the sandwich stations and everything, you know, bring out the condiments and everything, getting ready for the next day. And simply by allowing the trash to continue to accumulate between 7 and 8 instead of just grabbing the trash cans first at 7 o'clock meant that 20% of the garbage went out of the store faster, which created a safer and more hygienic environment, number one. And number two, for the people who opened in the morning, because you couldn't take the trash out after dark for safety reasons, uh, could do their morning prep without having four bulging cans of trash. They would actually have two or three empty trash cans because the morning prep generated about 20 to 30% of the garbage that went out in a day. So we created efficiencies on three different shifts simply by taking out the garbage an hour later. Now there, See, was, now, 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 there were some assistant managers who would pull up the rule book and says, this policy says you're supposed to do this first. And I said, OK, you do it first. Because it, it, you know, <laughs> I, was, I was at a point where I just didn't really care because I had because I, I had the general manager of the store who I'd run this concept by. And he thought it was a great idea. In fact, on the nights that he closed the store, he always made sure I was scheduled. And he would say, OK, Adam, go do your thing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, because that, yeah. because because not only did I not only did I find um, that there was a way to reduce frustrations and efficiencies, but I did it in such a way where I showed how it benefited the organization as a whole. Now, the way that I was able to raise this is because I was asked 
somebody asked me, you know, how can you do this more efficiently? Or we need to cut labor. How can we get you back online faster? And I said, well, let's take the trash out an hour later. And I guarantee that we can save you 30 minutes on the pre-close, 30 minutes on the open, and we can uh, and we can reduce um, a half hour of labor just by taking the trash out an hour later. Right. And add that up over a year. How much did that, you know, save? A lot. So that, that gives me – that brings me to two, two thoughts. Um, number one is is don't ever let your policies and procedures get in the way of taking care of your customer, right? Right. I'm all about having rigorous policies and procedures. An example of that, I was in Australia. My son and I, we were uh, – took a, hel- a helicopter ride over Sydney. And we got to the airport like four hours earlier. We were flying to Brisbane. Um, and um, anyway – there was a flight on the same airlines that left at 6.30 instead of 8.30. And they had plenty of seats on it. And uh, I'm like, hey, you know, can we just move up to your 6.30 flight? And they wanted to charge us $250 each. I'm yeah. like, you know, it doesn't cost you guys anything to put this. You have empty seats on both flights, right? Yeah. And after, finally, I said to my son in front of the woman, I said, see, don't ever let, son, don't ever let companies call us these procedures get in the way of uh, taking care of a customer. And um, I guess her mind opened up when I said that because we got in the the 635 for free. Um, but so that, that's a good example. Never let your policies and procedures get in the way of satisfying and taking care of your customers. You've got to give your people the authority to say yes and give your people the authority to take care of customers. But the other thing that I liked about it, Adam, was what you did is what I call practicing the art of creative destruction. Yes. We had, we had some stores that were just like, you know, I'm all about efficiencies, right? Uh, I love just, you know, we're open 12 hours a day, 12 and a half hours a day. You know, I want to do 20 hours of the work. And so when you got something that, when you've got your business going really good and everything's kind of on cruise control and it's a well-oiled machine, so to speak, break it down and see where you, see where you can make it better. That's what you did. And yes. you see where you can you know, make it more, more productive and more efficient and make more money. Yes, yes. And by simply shifting by one hour, the time that the trash went out, it also meant that for the rest of the evening, uh, when the store was, you know, in the process of being closed down and also during the opening procedures in the morning, people weren't having to drag around overloaded trash cans. That's right. Yeah. So it, it in just, the morning, it just you know what? I'm sorry. Probably in the restaurant business, like the automotive business, the morning, first like two hours, man, it sets the whole tone for the whole day. So yes. you've got to get in there and get rolling and get prepared and get ready for that lunch rush and be, you know, be on game, you know? So I think going in there with a good game plan in the morning, ready to roll and making sure that the day starts out, you know, uh, you know, productive and efficient. So it doesn't snowball on you uh, is super important. I know. Matt, Matt, look at us. We're, we're going off on all these little tangents here. We're getting distracted. We are. Creativity carries us along. I mean, this is part of and – this, and this I, – and I, and I did – and I allowed this to happen intentionally so our listeners could catch – the power of ADD to drive you as an entrepreneur. So, I mean, if we just simply said, okay, well, I have uh, four minutes to talk about two-minute meetings, so we're just going to do that, then we have to move on to the next question. Uh, Look at all the brilliance we would have not had an opportunity to bring up. Now, listeners may be thinking, oh, well, he took the trash out an hour later. Or, wow, Matt pointed out the whole thing about the floor mats and the two-minute meetings and, and what we do in the morning that sets us up for a great day. How can I be implementing that in my business starting today? How can I be implementing at my business starting tomorrow? Is there something that I could do an hour later, an hour earlier that could dramatically change my revenue picture? I think, you know, that's, that's hopefully that, you know, people go out and, and look at that and, and 
really study what they do on a day-to-day basis. And, of course, every business is different. But see what they can do at the beginning, middle, and end of their day to make their make their lives better, faster, and more efficient. I mean, really, that's what it's all about. It's, right. You know, I want I want things that are fast, easy, and simple, right? So yep. If something's complicated, I want to break it down and make it fast, easy, and simple. And really, that's that's solving problems. And whenever you can solve a problem, you're making money. Exactly. Um, just uh, you know, one final thing I want to share, and then there's a really great question I can't wait to ask you here. Just one final point for our listeners, and I've said this many times before. I don't look at voicemail, email, Skype, direct messages. I don't look at any of that until I've already done something in my business that's made money in the day. I like that. Because even if I find that what's waiting in my messages is about to turn my day and stand it on its head – even if the entire day turns into a train wreck or a fire that I'm putting out or whatever, I know that I didn't waste the entire day. I know I got something done. That's a good rule. Yeah. So it's real simple. You spend an hour, you knock something off. Like you, you do something for a client. You do something for yourself. You do something that brings money in and you can point to that money and say, yes, there's money here now that wasn't here an hour ago. And then get on with your day knowing that your day is not a total loss. You cannot lose. You cannot have a wasted day when you do that. So, Matt, yep. Matt, there's something you told me about yourself that just wowed me. And our listeners, I know, are going to love this, too. Uh, you've had the opportunity to hang out with none other than Mr. Richard Branson. So, what'd you learn from Richard Branson? <laughs> Never let a good marketing opportunity go to waste. Yes. <laughs> I mean, Richard has done some crazy shit, you know, in the interest of promoting his companies, uh, you know, from... Uh, um, ballooning or try, attempting to balloon around the world, attempting to uh, to kite surf the English Channel, uh, rock, uh, walking down a Las Vegas runway in a, in a ten thousand dollar wedding dress just to book a woman. Um, so I mean, Richard's uh, just a great, great character. I mean, he's so far. I've, I've had the opportunity to actually spend a week or eight days on Necker Island, this private island. Nice. On safari. Yeah. I've been on safari with him twice at his uh, private reserve in, in Uwasaba. It was so amazing. I took my family there the next year. Um, but, you know, the, the other thing that that the Virgin Unite team really is they hire the best people, man. I mean, they have, they hands down, they have the best, those just heartfelt, awesome employees. And he does a really good job hiring the best people. Um, especially hiring people that, to do what he's not good at, like details, you know. Um, his old motto is kind of, you know, screw it, let's do it. He's got, you yes. know, here's a good idea and let's do it. And he throws up his his vision and all that stuff and really has other people that are really good at implementation execute on it. Um, so that's another thing I learned from him. Live life to the fullest. Um, you know, surround yourself with family and friends. Uh, there's a lot of great lessons that Richard has taught and I've, Met some amazing people through Richard and through some other uh, charities and such that I'm involved in, and and uh, yeah, he's a uh, he's a lot of fun to hang out with. And, yeah, I uh, can I can imagine. Um, I saw the yeah. uh, I saw the, uh, the the pictures of him uh, doing the water skiing or the parasailing with the naked model on his back, and I'm thinking that's a lifestyle. Yeah, you know, right? <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, in fact, uh, a friend of ours, Ivy Kwong, was able to to hitch a ride on his on his kite sail. Uh, or carousel, whatever it is, uh, when we were down there in Necker Island. So a lot of fun. Live life to the fullest. You know, enjoy yourself. Don't take yourself too seriously. But, you know, but seriously enough that you're, you know, that you care and that you're doing a good job and, and that you're 
being productive, right? Yep, you know, another person I think in some ways is like that is is Donald Trump. I mean, you have such an incredible <laughs> amount of manic energy there. I mean, this is somebody who's also created about 150 companies, and he's been involved in everything from real estate to to steaks to water to suits. I mean, he I, I mean he's got his fingers in the, you know literally hundreds of pies, and he manages to keep that all going. And you can imagine he's the type of guy that says, "Okay, well, I'm going to buy a golf course, so." What about uh, what about a line of menswear? What about uh, some Trump bottled water? I mean, there's I mean, some of this comes from ideas that come from The Apprentice, of course, or that came from The Apprentice during the many years that he was the host of it. But just think about that. And then when you look at, you know, how he's approaching, you know, you know, the time we're doing this interview, obviously, he's running for president. So if you're listening to this three years from now, maybe he's president, maybe he's back in real estate. You know, who knows what happened by then? But if you look at it right now, um, part of the reason he dominates every news cycle, whether you love him or you hate him, is because he brings that energy and he brings that something that we just typically don't see in people who are running for president or expressing an interest in public service. It's just something we don't see. It's that entrepreneurial mindset applied to public service. And I think that's something that people are still adjusting to. Now, I'd like to put a bookmark on Donald Trump because I'd like to bring him up again a few minutes later when we get through this. And we do have to start accelerating because we're about halfway through here. Um, Matt, you say to always find a way to yes. Always find a way mm-hmm. to yes. Now, what do you explain? What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, in our business, customers call you. Most businesses, really, I think, customers call you because they have a problem they want to solve, right? And it's up to you to figure out a way to solve their problem, figure out a way to yes. Okay, uh, even if it's not necessarily your core competency. So, right. you know, you, so, you know, I mean, for instance, an example in my business would be we did a lot of high-end, we, we did a lot of high-end European and import cars, and that was 60% of our business, BMW, Porsche, Mercedes, Audis. We weren't, we weren't a transmission shop, though, right? But when yes. somebody called for a tra- with a transmission problem, we said, sure, we can fix it. Because if I couldn't fix it, I had a friend of mine that had a transmission shop, we'd send it to him, he'd give me a 25% discount. I'd have the car delivered back. I'd make 500 bucks, and I didn't do anything. So, um, but I, I solved the customer's problem. They love it. The car was fixed and all that. So we didn't, uh, we weren't a glass shop. But if people had a windshield problem, we said, yes, bring it here. So it also goes back to my flight that uh, I was talking about going to Australia. I mean, you want to find a way to say yes, because if you say no to your customer often enough, they're going to find somebody else to say yes. They're going to go somewhere else. Right. So that's that, very, that goes back. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say that, that goes back to empowering your people and giving them the authority to say yes as well. That is very interesting, and we're going to come back to that. That's another bookmark I want to put out there. So you see we're opening a couple loops. We're opening the always find your way to yes. We're opening up Donald Trump. So we're going to be closing some of these loops as we get – closer to the end of the hour here so everybody just kind of stay tuned and what you're sharing with us and this is you know this goes along with the second loop i'm leaving open here is actually you know what we're going to bring that loop closed right now so we can move on to something else um in entrepreneurial teaching um they say that you know all you know the power of no and i myself have been teaching for years say no to success and stick with what it is that is the true intersection of your brilliance and passion. Um, and I've also said that every time you say no, you create someone else's yes. Now you touched on that, 
because you said that you, know, you keep saying no, 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 and no. Eventually, you're going to create somebody else's yes. Now, the way right. I say it is don't feel bad about saying no and sticking to your brilliance and passion because you know that you've done some good in the world today. You just helped somebody else get a client because you couldn't do that or you wouldn't do that while you stuck to your core competency. Now, I think this is one of those things where there's never going to be one correct answer. I have my set of beliefs that have worked very well for me and have grown my business. And you have a different set of beliefs which you've demonstrated that have seriously grown your business. So let's st spend a little bit more time on that. Why is it so important to say yes, even if it's not in your core competency, above and beyond the whole thing that if your customers keep hearing no, eventually they're going to find yes somewhere else? Well, I think, you know, again, it's, you know, we were in busy stores, right? We'd work on 30, 40 cars a day in some stores. And, you know, you might call up for an oil change and say, hey, Matt, I need, you know, the 911 or whatever. I, want. I need to get my oil changed. And, like, sorry, I can't get to it today. And the guy's going out of town or, you know, I can do it next week or whatever. They don't want to hear that. They want to hear yes. They yeah. want to hear that you can solve their problem. Now, at the same token, you don't, like, we didn't do body work, right? Right. So what I would do is I'd say, no, we don't do that. But I, let me give you, let me refer you to a couple shops, friends of mine that we highly recommend. So we are helping somebody else out, right? So right. what I'm saying is, even if it's not you, even if you're not able to solve their problem, if you can help, help them get to yes and put them in the right direction, that goes back to what you said. I mean, you can't, if somebody asks me for a 50% discount, I'm not going to say yes, right? Right, yeah. If, if I'm working on a $1,000 brake job and somebody you know, says, back that car out, I need a $19 oil change, I'm not going to say yes. Right. right. But I think the point is, you say, well, you know, Adam, I can't do it right this minute, but I can do it at, say, 3.30. Is that fair? Does that make sense? Right. All right. And hopefully when you ask a question like that, uh, an affirmation question, so I call them, um, you know, you get to yes. So I think that the more often you can say yes in your business, the better. But there are obviously there's, there's situations and times you got to say no. And sometimes you don't only say no, you have to say hell no, you know? Yes. I mean, I, I mean, I, if you don't, if, a, if it's not a profitable job, why do it? Yeah, or and sometimes it's just not your bag. But uh, I think what I'd like to right. do is I'd like to kind of meld our two ideas together. See, when we had helped my website sell.com, which is my company, and we manage product launches, we're really focused on the house launch or the internal launch. And if we're looking to reach out, then we're working with our clients to get affiliates or partners on board to help them promote it. So if somebody comes to us and says, well, uh, okay, so are you going to run my Facebook ads? Are you going to run my LinkedIn ads? Uh, that's just not something we do. And it's not something that I really have an interest in because I've done it and I just hate doing it. I just don't like it. It's not my personality or what have you. But the moment somebody asks that question, I know exactly who they need to be working with. And I have a business ally who uh, gives preferential treatment to my customers because I bring them a lot of them. And uh, he and I are very much in sync with our philosophies. We have a shorthand between each other. So I get them connected with that guy. Um, and it just works out great. So they get a great ad campaign that goes along with their launch. And they have the two companies that have philosophies that work well with each other. They know each other's shorthand. Um, I mean, this guy, I mean, I, I already know the questions he's going to ask before he asks them. I already know what to prepare for because I know he's eventually going to ask for it so that his ads will sync with our launches perfectly. So uh, while I myself can't and won't say yes to we will do your ads for you, we will create the yes of getting your ads done in a way that's going to benefit this launch. You just got to yes. 
I mean, yes. That, that's what, yes. <laughs> that's a win. That's the, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Adam. So you didn't say no. You just found another way to say yes. Right, right. So if somebody comes to me and their opening line is, can you help me with my ads? I mean, my my, my first answer is, no, we're not a company that runs ads, but I'm not just going to say, no, go away. I'm going to, in fact, I might not even lead with no. I might start with... I might start with asking some questions about what it is they're really looking to accomplish because they're looking to run Facebook ads because they run some webinar and somebody says they got to run Facebook ads or do they have a business goal in mind? And a lot of times we find out that what they're really looking for is to build a list. So here's my yes. Okay, so once you build you that go. list, what are you doing? What's your plan? What, what's your autoresponder follow-up? How are you getting your teams involved? How are we getting your assistant involved in helping you create a lead generation and lead closing machine and how do we tie the technology into that so now there's a big yes right there and so when we do get around to who runs my ads well i got my guy i think you just bought in my philosophy yes <laughs> and, uh, and yeah I, 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 yeah and, and that's really what i've been saying and that's really part of what i've been saying all along so i kind of suspect as we've closed this loop that we would find a way somewhere in the middle where everything works out yeah i mean Doing what you did, I mean, if you just say, no, I don't do that, and sorry, and hang up the phone, I mean, that didn't accomplish anything for anybody. It didn't accomplish anything for the customer. It didn't accomplish anything for you. By asking some questions, all right, you're actually getting more information, and then you can say, well, I'll tell you what, we don't necessarily, we're not maybe not your best fit, but I have somebody. This is what we do, so if you ever need that, you know, please call us, but here in the meantime, let me give you a couple references. So that gives you credibility for your references, for your yep. customer to call you back. I mean, and it works. It comes back at you, you know, a thousand times. Yep. And, and I've also said to people sometimes, I can't help you yet. Because sometimes they just don't have what they need in their business where we can help them. Because we know who our avatar is and we know where we get the best results. And if somebody comes to me and they're missing something and I know it's not something we do, I will get them connected to someone who does it. And then I'll just keep the line of communication open in the meantime. And I'll keep in touch with whoever I referred them to just so I know what's going on. And so when it gets to the point, like let's say they've been running the ads and now they have 2,000 people on the list. So it's time to do a house launch. I know when they're getting close to their 2,000, I jump in. And I say, okay, you know, I, you know, I, I spoke with Gary the other day. I, I know that you guys are really kicking some serious butt with these ads here. I know you've got, uh, you know, some great leads going on. You've got some great segments in your list. So, uh, you know, you mentioned to me that you might be wanting to do this course or this product. So where are you on that? And we can close deals that way. Right. Exactly. And also by asking those questions or, you know, getting, getting a little more information from that guy, you get to add to your list. You add them to your list, put them on your you know, so, so when you're ready for, or when he's ready for your business, you know, to, to use your business, uh, right. he's receiving information about you. Right, exactly. So so we have really one more thing we want to cover here, and this is also where we're going to close the Donald Trump loop. So um, you, six, Matt, you have succeeded in life, and, and this has been partially my life story too, so I relate to this. You've succeeded in life and business not by overcoming your weakness, like treating ADD as, a, as something you have to solve or suppress or resolve, but by choosing to flaunt it. I mean, this topic of this interview is the ADD entrepreneur. So how do you put yourself in situations that value the positive side of these perceived weaknesses? I think we've seen some examples of it already, but let's have you answer the question. Well, I, I think you just nailed, you know, hit the nail on the head. You want to put yourself in the right situations, right? You know, the worst thing that I could have done, I went to college for about a year and a half, drink beer and chase girls. I never finished college <laughs> because 
<laughs> um, you know, I was making sixty-five grand a year in nineteen eighty-six when I was nineteen years old, and uh, it's just it was a hard time. I had a hard time sitting still. I, you know, I was easily distracted. Uh, so for me to try and get a job like at whatever, you know, Verizon or you know even um, Amazon or whatever, sitting in a cubicle, trying to staring at a, at a computer screen just wasn't good for me. So. It, you know, I'm, I'm my ADD, for instance, makes me stub, stubborn, but it also makes me yes. really persistent, right? I'm, yes. I'm I'm kind of forgetful and disorganized, but I'm also spontaneous. And then when I find something I really like, I'm totally involved and absorbed in it. So you got to set, you know, set yourself up for success and find the right situations to put yourself in. So if I tried to go get a cubicle job for a corporate American company, uh-huh. I would have been making thirty thousand dollars a year today. All right. right. Or I would have been fired or, you know, whatever. Right. So I needed to be out there. I'm good with people. I'm good in sales. I mean, I want to be talking to people. I want my energy. I'm good at building teams and motivating people. So those are all the things that I'm good at. So why yes. in the hell should I concentrate on trying to be a freaking lawyer or accountant, right? It's that not makes your no bag. sense. Right. Yeah. So it makes no sense to try and to get my, you know, whatever my accounting skills down. Shit, I can't, I don't know the difference between credit and debit and, you know, uh, you know, I mean, I do, but it, you know, it's, you gotta gotta put yourself in the, in the right situations for your personality and your characteristics. So, I think the number one thing you need to do is identify and be aware of what those characteristics are. Be honest. It's kind of like being an alcoholic. The first thing you have to do is admit it. Okay. So, yeah, I've got ADD. Yeah, I've got manic depression. I've got obsessive compulsive disorder. I've got yeah. whatever. Everybody's got things. Everybody's got issues, right? Nobody's perfect. So, find out what those issues are. Be aware of them. Be honest about them. And like, like Cameron Harold says, he's the CEO of a CEO of 1-800-GOT-CHUNK, author of Double Double, best-selling uh, author. Um, he's manic depressed. When he was manic, he wanted to be out there motivating his teams, being in front of the media, um, you know, getting the, getting the uh, momentum of the company moving forward. When he was depressed, that's when he wanted to be, like, Cleaning out his closet, you know. Yes. That's when he wanted to be away from everybody and maybe working on some, some internal planning. So you know, be aware, be honest with yourself, and put yourself in the right situations. Okay. Um. You know, you made me think of something here because I have, you know, I know a lot of people who are great accountants, and there are three names that come to mind. There's my own accountant, uh, uh, Dean Pontario. He's been my accountant for 12 years. He'll probably be my accountant until I die or he retires, whichever comes first. Um, he's the accountant I hired the day I started my business, and even when we relocated to Nevada, even though he's based in Pennsylvania, it didn't even occur to me to change accountants because why would I? He's, he's that he's that good. Uh, and he's the type of personality that, uh, you know, he's very very level, very methodical, very diligent and attentive to detail. And, you know, he just loves accounting. He loves figuring things out. He loves spreadsheets and QuickBooks and interpreting the laws and everything else. So that's an accountant's personality. And he's extremely, I mean, wildly successful in his practice for that reason. If you saw this guy was living, I mean, you would be, um, you would say, you know, this is the American success story. And you know, I have other accountant friends I know, too. Uh, you know, give a shout out to, to John Walters and uh, Diane Gardner of uh, Debt Business Solutions, if I'm saying her name or business name correctly. John Walters and Diane Gardner, they're great friends of mine. Uh, they've been clients of my company, and uh, they are the same way in many respects, as they just love 
the numbers. They love figuring things out. They love interpreting things, being focused, spending the time, finding the opportunities for their entrepreneurs. In fact, Diane wrote a book that's all about this, which is about all the hidden opportunities to increase your revenues and reduce your tax bill. Um, that type of personality is ideally suited to that, and that's why these three people are so successful at what they do. I couldn't imagine doing their jobs. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yes. all the paperwork, all the reading, all that stuff. Yeah, it's just like it would drive me crazy. Exactly, exactly. And then, and then I promised we were going to close the loop on Donald Trump and going back again to love him or you know love him or hate him. I mean, he, uh, you know, we've we've seen this when he was up on the, the debate stage. We see how he does interviews. We see how he does speeches to his supporters. He doesn't sound like a politician. He says things that people sometimes think are a little bit crazy that are off the wall sometimes he pushes the envelope uh, in some people's opinion sometimes a little too far as an entrepreneur though i know exactly what he's doing he understands marketing he understands publicity he understands finding out what people respond to and that's why at least as of our interview he's number one in the polls with uh you know gaining a lot of credibility and a lot of traction as a potential president of the united united states and uh and he'll be the first to acknowledge he's not perfect. Uh, he's not trying to be something he's not. And uh, there are people who could look at him and see some of what he's doing as an expression of weakness. Like, uh, you know, maybe he's short on tact or maybe he's impulsive or something like that. But he says, look, here I am. These are, these are my strengths. This is, this is how I made $10 billion and build 150 companies. And allow me the opportunity to apply this to America and we'll make America great again. That's his message. Message. That's right. Yeah, and he does, and and he's made a big point about how he doesn't apologize for it. He is who he is. Some people are not going to respond to that, uh, but that's just what happens to make him successful. So why compromise? And uh, I mean, and he goes out and he he flaunts this stuff. I mean, you read any of his books, and he's he's flaunting it throughout the entire book. Uh, some people who read this article once called "What Is Narcissism" think that uh, he's exhibiting symptoms of that i just think he's a guy who um and this is how he's been in business for 50 years now he's just the type of guy who's aware of who he is he's aware of the strengths that he brings to the table and he focuses on those strengths and he hires people to handle all the other stuff that's exactly right and he doesn't focus on his weaknesses what he's not good at and he doesn't apologize for it it's there's a there's a section i think uh, maybe a whole chapter even in my book uh, being once right i don't have time to beat around the bushes and bullshit with you and have a two-hour meeting, I'm not, it's just not me. I mean, you know, if, if I walked in and your store was dirty, your store was dirty and you heard about it. And you right. stopped working on cars and you cleaned up the shop. I mean, you know, we, we had people with, you know, hundred, two $200,000 car, cars coming in. We, our shops needed to look clean. So I think, you know, Donald, Donald, man, I mean, you know, I, I kind of wish that he would turn down some of his rhetoric because some yep. of the things he says, you know, I think he could, he could, uh, say a lot more brilliantly, um, you know, he, instead of attacking some people, really hate to have put some more thought into it. But I do like his brashness. I do like his bluntness. And I do think that, you know, an entrepreneur would be good for America. Um, yeah. You know, these lifetime politicians, you know, just really clearly don't get the, you know, uh, the mainstream America, you know, the, the, the Main Street or the Wall Street, really, to be honest. But they're just about bureaucrats. And, and big government and, and tax and spend. I think I'm not really a Republican or, or a Democrat. I'm a I'm a realist and I'm a capitalist. Yes. And I think uh, capitalism and entrepreneurialism will you know can save America. And I think that's what we need to concentrate on. 
Yep, and, and you know what? I'm going to be fair and balanced here, and uh, I'm going to take a look at another gentleman who's in the race here in uh, 2015, a gentleman by the name of Bernie Sanders. You know who I'm talking uh-huh. about, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, yep. I don't really, I mean, I don't really agree with everything that Bernie says, just like I don't agree with everything Trump says, but Bernie... I, I love I love Bernie Sanders. I think he's I think he's fantastic, and for some of the same reasons, he speaks his mind. He believes what he says. He has a vision for America. He has a vision for how he's going to make America great again, uh, or whatever his campaign slogan is. I do apologize. I don't know the exact wording of his campaign slogan, but uh, you know I've checked out his websites. I've watched some of his speeches. I, I think he's phenomenal. I think there's a reason why he gets sellout crowds. I think there's a reason why uh, you know my many great liberal friends think he's an honest to God option for this country because he, you know, he has a philosophy. He has the facts that back it up. He has the case studies that show that what he's advocating could really work, could really create jobs, could really make American families more prosperous and could make this a better, safer and more prosperous country. And I can't say I disagree with everything he says either. And what I like about Bernie is, you know, he's in line with his message. Um, he says the things he believes in. Like when he says that banks are the problem, big business is the problem, we need more unions, he's not spouting party lines. He believes this. Right. And he backs it up. He shows you how people have done the things that he's advocating, and it's worked. And people have gotten better jobs. They've gotten better lifestyles because of this. Yeah, I mean, Bernie certainly, you know, just like Trump, he says what he means, and he doesn't beat around the bush. I mean, he's a... uh, you know, self-described socialist. I mean, yes. there's no question about it. I mean, and uh, I don't believe, uh, you know, socialism has been proven over and over again not to work. I mean, I, I don't believe in that model. But I do respect the fact that he that he stands for what he believes, and I respect the fact that other people have those beliefs. And I think that's what makes America great is, is to be able to have different opinions and to be able to have uh, constructive debate, which I don't think we, we've had for the last 10 or 15 years, really. Um, so it would be nice to whoever it is, you know, whoever it is, you know, can get Congress and, and the Senate working together to uh, really, you know, to move, move progress forward. I, I'd really like to see the government exercise a lot more in technology because they're doing so, so many things old school, Yeah, you know. Uh, I think that, and you touched on this earlier in the conversation, there's a lot of technology that can be used out there to really um, make things more efficient, streamline government, you know, to save the taxpayers lots of money, which will put money back in their pockets. Right, right. And again, not to get political, and I'm just speaking strictly right. from a business perspective. I mean, let's look at the Obamacare website and the debacle that was. Right. I mean, they spent exactly. uh, tens and tens of millions of dollars, and the thing couldn't even process an order. And I did the hundreds, math on hundreds it. Hundreds of millions. Yeah. Hundreds I did, of millions. And sorry, and Amazon was doing like, 4,000 orders a second or something. Yeah. I, I did the math on that, and I figured out that we could have taken that same money and just hired people to work the phones and take the orders over the phone for the health insurance. And right. we, could have, we, could, we could have hired enough people and given them $50,000 each for three years and just not even had that website. So we would have created jobs at the same time that we got the Obamacare thing running, and we could have had a website up that said, call us. And we would have gotten a better result. Now that now well, I, now that's actually that, not my belief in how we should have done it. But I'm just saying that's another way we could have used the money. We would have gotten a better result. Yeah, I think I heard it was 800 million dollars and yeah. 200 million people in America. So that means that everybody could have gotten almost three million dollars, and we would have been well way better off for it. 
Yeah, we, yeah, that's another way. Right. At, that's another way of looking at. It. We could just said, look, you know, let's just give every American, let's just take the money and divide it up and give it to every American, or whether we hand them the cash or whether we give them all accounts to say, this is your health insurance account. Spend this on health insurance. We could have provided for everybody's medical needs, everybody's. Exactly. So, yeah. and I and I think it would have created you know more opportunity for people. I mean, to for, to create businesses and and uh, become entrepreneurs and find niches in the market. Uh, to to fill that like this one thing is really cool. You know, obviously everybody knows that Uber has disrupted the the taxi cab market, the transportation market. I love it. What about yes. I love Uber, right? What about Uber for healthcare, right? There's people yes. working on that right now, right? Yes. So that's a hugely disruptive deal because I scratched my cornea a couple of weeks ago, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I would have loved to have somebody come to my house and give me what attention I needed as opposed to I drove an hour in traffic to get to the, to, get to the doctors. So. I, you know, I, I think there's a lot of, you know, and again, getting way, 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 way from politics is the technology. Right now, there's more opportunity in the world than any, any other time in the world. Okay. Yes. Um, and uh, Peter DeMontis, uh, Dr. P- Peter DeMontis says, you know, the, the world of abundance, right? There's more people that, uh, you know, that have more technology and there's more opportunity than any other time. So people really need to find their niches, need to find out, um, where they can solve problems in this marketplace for things like uh, healthcare or Uber healthcare and uh, Uber taxi services and just all that. So there's so many, there's so many opportunities out there. You just got to find them. Yeah. And, and, and again, that's just, and, and this is where I think that ADD entrepreneurs can really be in the first division in the vanguard of helping us solve our problems. I mean, because look at this. I mean, we, you know, we're, we're actually off tangent from what we're supposed to be talking about here, but look at all the problems we solved. That's right. Well, the whole thing about having ADD, one of the biggest benefits of having ADD is you is the creativity that it gives you to ha- that it gives you, and the ability to creatively solve problems. Yes. You know, you can do things at 100 miles an hour. You can multitask, be off on tangents, but then have all these brilliant ideas. And even if you can't implement them, you can help other people implement them. Yep. Because um, you, you can't implement every single idea you have, right? So I think ADD. That's a that's a huge blessing of having ADD. That, the creativityness, uh, you know, the, the the creative problem solving and all that. So you know, anybody with any type of, whether it's ADD or any other type of disorder, again, I think really trying to figure out what the advantages of that of that disorder are and yep. use, those to your, use them as your, as your superpowers. Absolutely. And you know what? Funny thing about, you know, ADD and everything, we are actually right at the top of the hour and we're about to get kicked off for the next episode. So first of all, Matt Curry, thank you so much for being with us today. This has been an honor and an education. And real quick, 30 seconds, anybody hanging on the edge of their seat that want more, how do they get it from you? Um, go to a dash of curry.com. That's a curry.com. And uh, that's my website, my blog. You can reach out and contact me from there. I'd love to talk to you. And uh, if you reach out to me, I'll reach out back. I love that. And uh, just a reminder, everybody listening, all of our guest experts have expert profiles on Business Creators Radio Show, where that link will be up for anybody who wants to engage with Matt Curry. And I really encourage you to do so. I think you've heard in the past 59 minutes uh, what a brilliant gentleman we have on the line with us today, uh, somebody who's definitely worth you getting to know. So, again, Matt, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Adam. I appreciate it. And for everybody listening, this is Adam. fun.
Absolutely. Absolutely. Tons of fun here. For everybody listening, this is Adam Homie, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also search for us on iTunes under Business Creators Radio Show, fresh content updated weekly, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time.